Welcome to the New Jersey Department of Education's Bureau of Bilingual ESL Education Podcast. I am Ken Bond, a state program coordinator and your host. In this podcast, I have bite-sized conversations about English language learner education with leaders in the field. During this episode, I'll be talking with Brian Meadows about preparing future teachers to work with English language learners, or ELLs. Brian is the director of TESOL and an assistant education professor at Seton Hall University. Brian, thanks for being my guest on this episode. Thank you, Ken. I often wonder about the professional paths that people have taken throughout their careers. As someone who is now a professor in TESOL, are you someone who has always known that you wanted to be an ELL education professor, or is this a passion that has developed as you've gotten more acquainted with this field of study? Well, I've always been a, a language person, and I, I guess you could say that I, I fell into English teaching through the pursuit of, of uh, Japanese language development. I was fascinated by Japanese growing up. I loved animation, martial arts, and upon completing my bachelor's degree, I, I took a job teaching English in Japan for self-interest, of course, to develop my Japanese. But at the same time, during that experience, I, I realized that I really enjoyed playing the teacher role and helping others work through language development and participating in that um, experience together. So um, from there, I came back to the States and started into graduate work, into the doctorate work, and I had some opportunities to lead uh, teacher education classes. And yeah, and then found that I really enjoyed it. It was something that I can contribute to those who are also language people, but they like to um, lead classrooms. As someone who has spent over a decade immersed in studying language, like you said, in Japan and, and other places, how do you decide what to include and what not to include in the courses that you teach to pre-service or future educators that are going to be working with English language learners? Well, you begin with the state guidelines, professional guidelines, and that set up basic parameters for what kinds of topics, what kinds of skills, uh, what kinds of, of knowledge do uh, teachers need as they enter into the um, ESL and bilingual classrooms. Um, but I think beyond that, uh, within those parameters, I, I do apply my own theory of, of language education and what I think, what role I believe language education should serve. Um, so my approach to language education is that when you're learning a new language, you're entering into a new community. Uh, very often you're entering into that community from a position with, with reduced agency or reduced legitimacy of your voice. Um, so I think it's important for language educators and ESL and bilingual programs to help students to return to a sense of voice and a sense of authority and, and, and legitimacy. So when I'm working with pre-service teachers and also in-service teachers, I encourage them to adopt a discourse of empowerment. So that means rethinking labels that we're using, thinking about labels such as emerging multilinguals, uh, thinking very carefully about native speaker, non-native speaker, and what that really means. Uh, we also talk about strategies in the classroom and the importance of the first, second, sometimes third language that students bring to the classroom. How can we capitalize on those resources to uh, help students, again, return to legitimacy and agency 
through English in these academic settings. If I can share one, uh, one activity that I've done with some of my classes in the past is a, is a project. I call it the Speak a New Language project. We are very fortunate in this particular situation to have multiple languages in the classroom, but everyone was working towards becoming an English teacher, not just in New Jersey, but, but globally. Uh, so it was really important. I thought it was important for them to first remind themselves what it's like to be a language learner, and then to also take the role of teacher, and then to also celebrate and recognize and legitimize the multiple languages that we shared in this classroom. So the project was for two students to pair up, and they could not share a preferred so-called native language, or I guess a primary language. They, they couldn't share that. Uh, so then they had to work through a series of tutoring sessions where they would teach each other about a 30-second uh, present oral presentation in their partner's language. So through those tutoring sessions, they were able to both experience being a student, but then also experience being a teacher. They wrote some reflective uh, pieces uh, along the way. Then I think the really, really memorable part of the project was the final presentations. So each student or each teacher candidate came up and then presented their their speech in a language that they didn't exactly feel entirely comfortable with. And it was great to see the response of the teacher candidates, to see the multiple languages, to see it legitimized in this way, and to see someone else who is attempting to or respecting and recognizing the value of the, the different languages that all of us shared in that particular setting. You recently surveyed current educators in New Jersey about teacher preparation programs, maybe programs that they've been in or are currently teaching in. And specifically, you looked at programs that prepare teachers to work with English language learners. What is one area of response that confirmed a belief that you already had? Well, the survey was uh, a very valuable way to collect some insights from the members of the, the NJ, TSTAL NJBE uh, community. There were two things. One is the role of theory in teacher education. Uh, this came up in the survey. On the one hand, some respondents, they expressed the, the perception that there's too much theory in teacher education, that novice teachers really don't need all of this theory. On the other hand, there were a few responses that were asking for teacher education to help novice teachers understand how theory and practice are interrelated. In other words, saying that theory actually is very important in teacher education. That's something in teacher education that we have to really think about is what is the role of theory and at what point in a teacher's development do they need a lot of theory? Maybe teacher education programs we can think about how we balance theory, at what point in a teacher's development do we present a lot of theory, how accountable do we hold teacher candidates for theory. And then the second one was lesson planning. Uh, I also have heard about the lesson planning and teacher education programs are massive, um, uh, unrealistic, they're overly detailed, uh, there's no way that this could be used in a real classroom setting. And uh, that was pretty consistent in the survey. I think that that came through several times from, from those who responded. And I agree. I think lesson planning at the classroom, uh, in the classrooms, K through 12, and lesson planning in a teacher education program are different. And, and I feel like 
Lesson planning serves different purposes for the two different contexts. And perhaps it's a matter of terminology, but I, I think the larger issue here, what I took away from the survey, was the need for teacher education programs to perhaps do a better job in communicating what we do in the programs and why we do it, and communicate this to the candidates we serve, and communicate this to the practitioners in the field mm. uh, um, who are extremely valuable to, to our success. Yeah, so that's something that I've thought a lot about because I remember when I was a pre-service teacher, there was an extreme focus on lesson planning, and I really became adept of, uh, at thinking through how to plan a lesson, what parts of the lesson I needed, but it wasn't always necessarily explained in, in every context that you're doing this now so that you can conceptualize it. You don't need to do this necessarily for every lesson once you become a teacher. Great point. And I think yes. that that's something, when I'm working with pre-service teachers, I, I try and always help them to understand that you're doing this in depth, in great detail right now, so that you can learn how to think through a lesson. That doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be doing this on the other side when you're actually teaching. Absolutely. Because you're, you're learning the tools in this context to be able to create those lessons and have the background for what you're going to do. But in terms of documentation, it doesn't have to look the same. So for the same survey of the NJ TESOL, NJBE members that you analyzed, what's one area of response that made you think more deeply about your current practice and about the program that you're currently working in and maybe how you could make some changes to better reflect the needs of the field? Yes, uh, the survey also the respondents tuned tuned me into uh, upcoming issues of, of increasing uh, concern and visibility. So those came through loud and clear. And uh, yes, that that led me to reflect on the syllabi that I'm using, reflect on the readings that I'm using. Uh, some of those uh, particular topics included things like ELLs in the law. Um, SLIFE students, advocacy for ELLs. And can you back up? Sorry, SLIFE. SLIFE, I'm sorry. Uh, students with limited or interrupted formal education. Okay. Uh, their needs are, are, are different, and, and I think teacher education, we have to provide the concepts and the, and, um, the insights and the strategies so that our candidates can then serve those students uh, successfully. Co-teaching models. Because ESL and, and bilingual also, but more so ESL, usually there's co-teaching involved. So what can happen in teacher education is that we're thinking about strategies, we're thinking about theories, we're thinking about materials, but where is that interpersonal component? Where is the component about how to work with teachers in your, in your setting? And what are some successful co-teaching um, arrangements uh, that, that we've identified so far? Our responsibility is to always be in tune with what's going on in the field so we can plug in those details and then adjust as the years progress and, and things change. Often educators talk broadly about best practices, best practices for ELLs and mainstream classrooms or in ESL classrooms. How do you encourage future teachers to balance general ideas about best practices with their specific setting and their specific students. Because every student's different, every classroom's different, and every school is different. That's really difficult. At a base level, novice teachers entering into the field have to have some sense of their own theory of teaching. 
you have to start there. That's a living document. That's a living statement that's going to develop over time. But they have to start with a sense of, in their minds, what works, what doesn't work, what kind of teacher do they wish to be, what are classroom practices that are negotiable, and which ones, from their perspective, are non-negotiable. I think as long as they have a sense of what's negotiable and what's not, I think they're in a position to to decide which which aspects of the environment or the context that they would like to act upon for uh, transformation or for change, and which ones they feel like maybe you're okay in this particular setting. Mm. Those answers don't come right away. That takes time and experience and reflection. I do encourage teacher candidates, once they understand what is non-negotiable, then they can act for change in their particular setting. But they're going to need justification. They can't just uh, approach administration and say they want to change something just because they believe that it's right. So they need justification. They need to rely on professional organizations. They need to tap into the wealth of resources offered by the um, Bureau of, of ESL and Bilingual Education at the NJDOE. They need to tap into their colleagues in the field and collect evidence, collect justification, and then present that to the to the administration or to the community. Uh, because I, I think ultimately the responsibility uh, of the teachers is to the students and to the community. When you're advising students about the possibility of becoming ELL educators, what is a caution that you might think about giving them before they enter the field? I think of a couple of things. One conversation we often have is about how demanding the job is. For ESL, for example, you're responsible for the academic language development of all the students in your classroom who are coming from different backgrounds and entering the classroom at different language development levels. But not only academic language in general, but the academic language of all of the different content areas. So the ESL teacher has to be familiar with with the language of the different areas. And then bilingual, it's even, that's doubled because now you're talking about academic language in all the content areas and ideally two languages. So there's this, that's one aspect. But then you also have the interpersonal aspect. ESL is very often pushed in, pulled out. They're doing a lot of co-teaching. Bilingual as well is, is working within a team in order to develop the, the student's academic language in all the different content areas. So there's a lot of interpersonal skills and strategies involved too. There can be some politics. Some things might work. Maybe you want to approach this particular person this way and maybe another way. Maybe you want to save that battle for later. Uh, and uh, Yeah, that would be one thing, would be just how demanding the job is. Yeah, yeah. So on the reverse of that, what reasons would you give students to encourage them to become ESL teachers, and obviously this is something that you care deeply about sure. because you have your program that you're working with teachers in and recruiting teachers in. Yes. So what would you say are the selling points for becoming an ESL or a bilingual teacher? Oh, there are so many. Um, I think, well, first of all, working with languages and, and working with students coming in from all different parts of the world and coming in from all of these rich cultural linguistic uh, backgrounds 
I think that just makes the day of an educator that much better and that much more enjoyable and rewarding. But I, but I think at a larger level, I would like to see the institution of education as empowering. And I think English learners, because of the design of the system, English learners come into the system often at a disadvantage. And all the resources they bring in may not be recognized or legitimized immediately. So I think ESL, I think bilingual also, they play a really important role in making sure that the educational system is working towards empowerment and agency for these students. And it's, I think as an educator, it's rewarding to be directly involved in that, to feel like there is some minor role uh, that we're playing in a student's academic, cultural, linguistic, emotional, social development. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been just wonderful to talk to you. Likewise. And I, before we, we close up, I just wanted to express my uh, appreciation, my gratitude for, for all of the, the excellent work that the, the Bureau of, of ESL and Bilingual does for the, for the field and for the, uh, for the students. Uh, this podcast, as one example, but also the, the website, the resources available there, Fabric, for example, Thread, and all of the other uh, important activities that, that the group is doing on a regular basis. I'm so appreciative and so grateful. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brian. And, and we really do have, I always tell people with this job, that the, the field and all the teachers and administrators and professors out there that support English language learners in New Jersey, it's really just a wonderful group. So uh, ditto to, to, <laughs> to you and, and to all of your colleagues out in the field as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like more information about ESL bilingual education in New Jersey, please visit our website at www.nj.gov forward slash education forward slash bilingual. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Also, please leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. Thanks. Thanks.